What's good, everybody? What's good? Welcome to another episode of Take Time Out with Trey Mosley. I am your host, Trey Mosley, and uh, we got a good one for you today, y'all. Um, known this brother for quite some time. You know, he hails from the mean streets of Chicago, and uh, we got a story just in that, how voiceover literally saved this man's life. Uh, good friend, good brother, uh, Mr. Rick Potty is... In the building, y'all. What's Trey good, man? Trey Miggity Mosley, what's happening? What's up, man? You know, I hear this dude literally daily because he does the radio imaging here at a station in Vegas. So when I'm driving, I'm like, 1039. Like, shut up. <laughs> Actually, it's, hot, it's 975. Hot 975. That, you know... How many so you you be going you be punching back you know actually 1039 is our sister station yeah so it's there's a relationship there so we'll give you that so um word on the street is as far as this whole radio voiceover thing mm-hmm. uh it's kind of like a chicken before the egg thing you did radio did radio first or you did vo mm-hmm. and you were like a kid like 13 14 yeah man i was listening to the radio every day and here's the deal trey and it, let me know if I'm going too fast or doing too much. No, you so good. I was listening to the radio every day. And well, let me take it back, though. My cousin, my cousin uh, and I, Don, we used to listen to uh, Dr. Demento and, and Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, the show. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we had this little Panasonic uh, recorder. Maybe it was a Sanyo. I don't know what it was, but we used to record our voices. But we didn't know what we were doing. We were, we, we were like becoming something. Radio yeah. people, voice. I don't know. But so I did that regularly and it got to the point where I listened to radio so much. And I said, you call the radio station, make dedications to my girlfriend at around 10 o'clock every day. And the radio personality said one day, why are you calling me every day at this time? And I said, I'm sick. He said, don't give me that. What happened? I said, I got kicked out of school. And then he took the time to just talk to me and mentor me and, mm-hmm. you know, talk me back into getting in school. And I just I just want to be like that man. Yeah. And from that that fourth uh, that moment uh, that moment on, Trey, he put like that little mustard seed in me, and I wanted to be him. I wanted to be him. His name is Earl Boston, and that that's how it all started, man. That's his whole radio thing. The love of the mic started for me. Wow. Yeah. Now let's go a little deeper because okay. you know a conversation that we had uh, prior to getting on. Yeah. That you said that you know gr- uh, growing up and and being in. And if, if you folks don't know what Cabrini Green is, mm. he going to tell you what it is. You you think of the worst projects you've been in, <laughs> and then there's Cabrini Green. Exactly. So, so tell them how you were able to navigate uh, through those years. Um, like I said, that it literally, you know, doing this, like, saved your life, man. Yeah, seriously, uh, through the grace of God. Like, if you ever uh, watched the show Good Times, mm-hmm. those projects were real. That's that's where the whole family lived. J.J., Thelma, uh, you know, all of them. That's where they lived, the Cabrini Green. And that was real, like the, the gang issues, uh, prostitution, drugs, you name it. I lived there. And how I got there is, first of all, I grew up on what's called Ingle, which which, which is another rough neighborhood in Chicago. And when my mother had suddenly become single, I'm growing up and she's like, I can't deal with this divorce and I can't deal with you. Go to your daddy house. So she gave me a suitcase, put me on the bus, went to my father's house and I was out of there. I was in the projects and we talking about, like I said, gang violence, drugs. And my father was a um, he already had he I was I'm the eldest of 
eight kids he had over there, and along with his wife's sister and her babies, oh, along with her, 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 her drunk uncle, I mean, her drunk brother who was sleeping on the couch. It was a mess. And then all the problems you have in the inner city, man, it was. But me, I was still laser focused on doing something in radio trade. And I don't know, man, I, by the grace of God, bro, I'm I, I'm here. I've never I've uh, been shot stabbed abused i barely even got into a fight if i gotta be honest with you. <laughs> i barely got into a fight man i mean that was my life and and from that point that's when i figured out i had to do something with my life mm-hmm. and that's when i really said this radio thing i really need to take it seriously and that's when i i met earl boston and all of that stuff happened man Trey, I will continue to talk, man. I will, I will talk on and on. And I want to mess things up, man. But nah, man, you, you good. This, yeah. I, I, this is good. This, this will be. Hey, I told you, it's unscripted. So yeah, whatever's coming out is coming out. Absolutely. So let's let's paint the picture. Mm-hmm. So you're you're in a position where you're like, I right, if I don't do something, I'm gonna be one of these cats on the on the on the poster saying, Have you seen this dude? Because uh, he out here doing some nefarious mm-hmm. things, right? Um, Talk to talk to us about when you made that decision, like, all right, so Mr. Boston gonna give me this shot. Mm-hmm. You're walking into the station and your first reaction to I right, I'm I'm about to do this, like, was there fear? Was there excitement? Um, did you have expectations set for yourself? And then did you meet or exceed, like, you know what? Dang, I didn't know it was gonna be like this. Or was it something you would, you just felt you were natural uh, at at doing? I felt like it was a, I, I was natural, but let me just take you back a little bit. So Earl is a person who who mentored me. He talked to me. He he talked to me into getting back into school. And from that point on, and I gotten back into school, but I also saw this commercial on TV that said, "How'd you like to be a radio broadcaster? Columbia School of Broadcasting. We can get you on the radio. You know that kind of stuff." Yeah. So you know, me, bright eyed and bushy tail, I joined Columbia School of Broadcasting, and from listening to the radio station every day, listening to Earl Boston, Geno Jones, all these big radio personalities around the country, um, I would listen to them, Trey, and I would write down everything that they say. Like I stopped the recorder, write that down, stop it, write it down. Literally everything that they said. And now I've got my script. And all I had to do was just kind of listen to these guys. I want to sound like them. Earl had a smooth voice. He was like, 102.7 BMX is Earl Boston. It's going to be sunny outside today and a cloud. You know, he was so smooth. So I, I, I picked that thing up at a young age, like six, 16, 17 years old. Uh, now I'm going to Columbia School of Broadcasting. So they had their little, you know, campus radio station. So I'm on the radio. C88, this is Zurich on the radio, and it's going to be cloudy. And they're like, who is this little kid with his <laughs> voice like this? And they were just so amazed. And that was that was all derived from me, you know, listening to Earl Boston. So after I stayed in Columbia for, you know, a couple years, now it comes the point where you have to look for jobs. Right. And my first job before leaving Columbia was a local radio station, a 10 watt radio station, which was for free. It was for us kids. So I'm um, I'm working at this this uh, Chicago radio station owned by the Chicago Boys and Girls Club called WCYC. At the same time, going to Columbia. Now I'm I'm working here for free. It's for kids. Right. But now we got to work in the real world, the radio. So I'm sending out cassette tapes every day to different radio stations around the country. And one happened to be and this is 1988. There's a station called W 
BMS 1340. And I sent that tape to them and they loved me. I was like, by this time I was 19 years old and I hadn't spoken to Earl now cause he was my mentor, like in, in maybe a couple months or so. So I'm working in uh, North Carolina, first time ever on the airplane, living in Chicago, it was snow and got to North Carolina. It was sunny. I was like, how the hell is this? Did we go through a time warp? Like, how does this happen? Like, right. I, I'd never been on a plane before. So I get off this, this plane and, and winter clothes, man, it's hot as hell outside. And uh, now I'm working at this radio station, this kid, remember, I'm just 19 at the time, yeah. doing the overnight sli- uh, shift. And everybody's just amazed. This kid from Chicago is coming to North Carolina. He's amazing. And within two weeks time, I, I went from the overnight shift person to the afternoon guy. Now, mind you, Trey, I was probably wow. making about two, three dollars an hour. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a bank account. I was used to cashing my checks at the local Good move. cash cash checker. You know what I'm saying? That, that was me. I had no car. I was walking to work a couple of miles back and forth. I'm six one and I, I didn't barely had a meal. So it's kind of like I was I was skinny is all be out. You know, people, you know, thought I was sick. I just wasn't eating. I didn't have any money. I mean, right. for me, a meal was like, uh, do you remember like those little sandwich cookies the, with the cream in the middle? Just yeah. Like the, yeah. That was like that my meal was a snack. Exactly. I had wow. sandwich cookies and from Chicago, we call it pop, but everybody else call it soda. Right. So we had a, a, a sandwich cookie and a soda. That's what I ate every day. That's all I could afford. If I had a little extra money for me, it would be gizzards from Kentucky Fried Chicken because that was some type of protein. Yeah. So I call, um, I decide to get a, you know, some money up and I call Earl and it was expensive to call in the pay phones back in the day, right? Yes, sir. I call Earl in the pay, in the pay phone. I said, hey, Earl, this is Zurich. And uh, he said, hey, Zurich, how you doing? I said, uh, fine, I'm at a radio station in North Carolina in Wilmington. He's like, oh yeah, he said, send, send me a tape. And you know, we, it was actually more to that. So I sent him in, uh, um, my demo tape and he heard it, he was completely blown away. He's like, I wanna hire you, can you come Monday? This was a Friday. I was like, yeah, I can come. Um, I don't have any, like, I don't have a car or nothing like that. He's like, I'm gonna send you money through Western Union or whatever it was. Wow. And uh, you're gonna hop on the bus. So I quit the job in North Carolina and Earl Boston was in Macon, Georgia. This is 1988. My son was just born too, Trey, by the way. Wow. Um, that same year, I hopped on a bus and now I, I go from being on the AM radio station to the FM station in Macon, uh, Georgia. And it was the most exciting. Hello. Uh-oh, what happened? Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I guess you guys, can you still see me? Yeah, we lost you for a second. Um, <clears throat> so I get there and, um, Macon, Georgia, and it's the, the the most exciting time of my life. I'm on an FM radio station, and Earl Boston took me under his wing like I was his son. He had no children, mm-hmm. and he taught me everything he knew from that point on, and that set me up in my radio career. And mind you, this was 88. I left Chicago. My goal then, Trey, was to come back to Chicago and work at the big station, which was WGCI. So in four years' time, I I worked in Macon, Charleston, South Carolina, Norfolk, Virginia, Dallas, Texas, Miami. My first time in Miami, your hometown was in um, 1992 at the original Hot 105. And then WGCI finally hired me, my hometown station, which before Tom Joyner, before the world knew him, he was just working at, at our station as 
uh, the afternoon show host, but he was going back and forth to Dallas. So he yeah. was called, that's how he got the name Flight Fly Job. Job. Right. So I was the kid working on the station with them every day. And that's how the whole radio thing started, man. The whole radio started. And, and voiceover would come much later. It would come much later, some years after that. You know, it, it's crazy when listening to you say that because mm-hmm. I listened to Dr. Demento and, and, and Weird Al. And I remember, it's, it's funny how you, you experience something uh, in your formative stages of, of life. Right. And then as you transition and you get older, the things that you learn then that you apply now, it's like, oh man. So I say that to say, I used to listen. I had this radio. It had AM, it had FM, it had midwave and shortwave. And I used to pick wow. up stations from all over the country. And GCI was one of the ones I picked up. I used to get WBLS. I knew about the Are stations serious? Wow. before I, I started, you know, moving about the country. Right. And one of the guys that I always thought had the coolest voice is, is this cat in LA. His name was Robert W. Morgan. I remember Robert W. Morgan. Yeah. And first of all, anytime he would say his name, this is Robert W. Morgan. I'm like, that's, that's a heavy name. You get to say your whole name on the air. Robert W. Morgan. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> fast forward a few years later, there was a show called Solid Gold. Oh, and yeah. he was the announcer. And I'm like, why does that voice sound familiar? And then at the end, because back then announcers used to get like a little a little, little pub, little cred. He's like, for solid right. gold, this is Robert. Do-. I'm like, that's the same dude. So, right. I- and you know who used to host that show, too, was Frankie Crocker for a bit. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, Frankie. Yeah, he was an, an idol. He's an inspiration. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Frankie was, absolutely. That, was that dude, man. Rest his soul. Um, yeah. So now you've made the transition full circle started mm-hmm. the projects hey man we gotta get you out of here it's gonna be trouble you start doing radio right. and you're like okay i'm doing all these stations but i want to go home finally you get the call how does that mm-hmm. feel that now home is calling you is the station your dream station like okay i'm back home dream station. like explain that feeling when it all comes full circle for you it felt really good. And the backstory, you heard the backstory. Part of that other story, which I didn't mean to leave out, but I'm, I'm telling this too, but when I got kicked out of school for not going to school, um, I was failing because my mother and my stepfather, they were, you know, they were breaking up. So here I am, um, you know, so consumed with what's going on at home that I couldn't really, I couldn't really focus. You know, me dealing with that, me dealing with attention deficit disorder, me dealing with a a stutter because I was always nervous, me dealing with dyslexia, you know, words dancing around. I had a whole bunch of things going on, man. And when you come from a place where people say there's no way you're going to be become a radio personality, when you hear that so much, you begin to believe it. And I use that weakness as my strength to do the things. So when I finally made it to my home state, the same place where I was told I couldn't do it, um, people were blown away because I left as Zurich, which is my real name. Rick is derived from Zurich, which is my real first name. I left as Zurich, but when I came back to Chicago, I was Rick. Party. 
And people like that's Zurich. Rick party is Zurich. They couldn't believe it, man. When I came home, my mother, God rest her soul, on the south side of Chicago, she had like all these balloons on a on a porch, oh. and you know, written in chalk, my son's uh, Rick party is on WGCI, and and Robert Feeder was a big columnist. He was a radio and TV uh, radio and yeah. TV columnist, and he would talk about all the ins and outs in radio and television. So he said uh, something like a hometown hero. Uh, born in Chicago, Rick Party makes his way finally home to Chicago, yeah. something like that. And my mother, my mother clipped that. She took that clip, and it always stayed on the newspaper. And that was such a good feeling. And you would think that I was nervous, but I wasn't. When I got that phone call, I was in Miami at the time, and the program director who hired me, I had worked for him previously in Dallas, Texas. His name was Elroy. Elroy name Smith. is Elroy Smith. I know Elroy. So El, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's yeah. So Elroy, we worked in, in Dallas in 1990. So Elroy, um, he says, okay, he got a job in GCI. And he says, I have a, an opportunity for you. You have to submit a tape. So not only did I submit a cassette tape with all the best of, which is that stuff you actually see on my, my Instagram page. It's the, one of yeah. the first two videos. And um, I submit that. And they're like blown away because who submits a video of them on the radio and out in the streets? Cause that wasn't heard of then that was it. all the stuff that we do on social media. Now back in the eighties and uh, the, the late eighties and early nineties, that wasn't heard of. So I submit this thing. And, and I remember specifically, I'm, I'm working in hot one Oh five Miami and they're paying me $38,000 a year. And Elroy says, we have a job. Um, what would you like your salary to be? It was wow. some question like that. I was like, what would I like okay. it to be? I like it to be millions of dollars. But um, what would make sense? And I remember my friend, uh, Chio the Hitman, he's another radio personality. We all came up together. He eventually you know, started in Savannah. He went on to like um, Z100 in New York. And, we, and when he got his job in, his first job in a major mar- market, which is San Diego, he said he's making $50,000 a year. It was like, $50,000 right. a year? Are you kidding me? What? Because we were like in the 30s and 20s. So Elroy said, what would you like? I said $50,000 a year with my chest out. Man, I ain't count. Come on, I want that 50, man. You know, drop it on me. So he said, I don't know if I can give it to you. Let me talk to the GM, the general manager, which was his boss. And he talked to him. And uh, his his name is Marv Dyson. And Marv got on the phone. He called me. He said, well, I got your demo tape and I got your videotape and we're going to hire you, little ugly ass. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, yes. I was living in okay. Miami. I was in Kendall at the time, man. And I, re- I remember uh, on the ground, like making like, like carpet angels because I was like, man, I'm going home to Chicago. And Miami did me good because Miami showed me nothing. Like, that's my second home. It did me good, but I was ready to go home. I was ready to be with my mother. I was ready to, you know, live out my dream. And that was the greatest moment in the entire world, man. And when I think about all the persistence, I think about all the hard work. I think about never giving up. I think about this kid, you know, with the stutter and the dyslexia and the ADD and dropped out of Mm -hmm. school and all of that stuff, bro. That kid is me. That kid is me then, that kid is me today. And there's nothing that I could do that, that makes me feel, feel like I, I failed. Because if I look at my entire life and I look at that one moment that I made it back to Chicago, hey now. that's my book.
Like the greatest feeling in the entire That's world, cool, man. Bro. Um, so yeah. Now we go into phase two. So now you are Rick Party. Mm-hmm. You back at the crib. You on GCI. You doing your thing, man. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah, you starting to get the ear from from other people, and you go from just being, you know, mm-hmm. Chicago's top DJ. Talk about when you make the next leap syndication because a lot of people don't understand how that works in radio you know you start off locally you get a following then people like hey you know you we got some folks that have heard you here let's see how you can take on the rest of the country so the syndication that came way after that came after voiceover started yeah so i don't know if you want to talk about voiceover first then syndication because i was still kind of okay talk about the transition then all right so you're doing radio and you're doing well. You, you shot calling. It's how much I want. Y'all better give me that bag. And they say, okay, ugly ass boy, here, take it. What you going to do? <laughs> but then you show improve. When does right. voiceover come into your life? And yeah. And that transition happens. So do you remember um, the software yeah, called Cool Edit? To, um, uh, Adobe Audition. Yeah. Adobe Audition. Yeah, so some friends of mine, um, the, the 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 okay, the first voiceover I did though, the first voiceover I did was for Coca Cola back in the nineties. I didn't know what I was doing. They said, "Hey, I like your voice on the radio. Come and do a voiceover." And I did Coca Cola and some more stuff. And I think we were really we were uh, union anyways. I didn't care. I didn't know what voiceover was. I don't know what it's about. And then a station by the name of Sports Channel called me in to do some long form narration on some gaming for um it was called oh my god it was the, the station was called the sports channel and I, I i'll come back and try to remember the name of the gaming show so i'm narrating these little characters on these games and it was so annoying because it took like an hour to do it and i was like i never want to do this again but i had to do a few episodes so that was called voiceover but i didn't know it and even after gci I left gci for a brief stint went to uh Atlanta and the program director, I mean, production director always tried to get me to do voiceover. I was like, no, man, I don't have time. I want to go to the clubs. I want to go chase the women, bro. Time for this. Like, come on, man. Like, I look, some, someone waiting for me now. You know, I'll do it tomorrow. Never did. He wound up doing it. I hated voiceover. And then eventually, you know, after stopping to make a little pit stop in Atlanta for two years, I was hired back into Chicago. But I was thinking about the end game, Trey. I was like, like, what am I going to do when this is over? Because Tom, Jordan, mm-hmm. Doug Banks, they've gone syndicated. I'm back here. I, by this time, I'm making good money. I'm, a, I'm in my, my uh, six digits and stuff like that. But I'm like, okay, how, how far is this going to go? So I did a, um, a voiceover for a friend of mine. And he, he said they needed a voice for a narration called okay. Before I Wake for Tupac Shakur. And I was like, okay, um, like, like, how do I do it? Like, um, what do I need to do? And he's like, this guy Paul gave me a CD-ROM of Cool Edit. And I was like, he said, you can record, this is what they use in studios. I was like, he put it in, and I just hmm. saw this multi-track thing. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, do you know what I'm about to do with this? So I narrated before I wake 
uh, the Tupac documentary uh, back in the yeah. the the early two thousands, yeah. and that's when this whole voiceover thing just this spark just blew. And from that point on, I started recording demos for radio stations. I was making my my myself demos. Like one demo tray had a commercial on it. The other one had a promo on it. The other one had like a a, a character voice. <laughs> it's like it's all over the place, you know. But yeah. this is, you know, we don't know. I mean, yeah. we didn't know. You know, I'm just making a demo with all of my voices, and and it was horrible. It was horrible. Then, <laughs> then I put it on a um a trade uh, website called yeah. Urban Insight, mm-hmm. and I wanted to show them my skills. My, you remember that, right? I placed it on there with some of my radio imaging too, and my company then was called Sizzle Productions. And when they when they heard it on there, when they heard my demo, they was like, "This is more like sizzling, cause it ain't sizzling, my my dog. It ain't it ain't doing nothing, my guy." So, so that just yeah. pissed me off, man. It made me go back in the you know how it is, right? When they tell you no, that mean go. So I went back in the lab. I I I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I made that thing pop, and then I sent my demo to another program Actually, director. His name is Doc Winter. Jacksonville, right? Yeah, Doc Winter heard my demo. He's like, my guy, like you got it. I'm about to put you on all these hip hop stations around the country. And he put me like, I don't know, he put me like on 30 stations. I went from like no stations to 30 stations, like just like that overnight. So my first taste of real voiceover, like really working was imaging. Although I did the the long form narration prior to that, it was nothing that I was really, I was in love with yet. I was just kind of falling, you know, falling in love with my voice. And then in the midst of that, a friend of mine, Cynthia Johnson was working at Warner Brothers. And she said, we need a voiceover for Destiny's Child. They're going to be receiving the Sammy Davis Jr. Award on the, uh, on the Soul Train Awards. And they gave me that. And from there, everything popped off. BET. You know, BET wanted a uh, an HIV promo in December of 2003. They sent me the script. I turned it back around in like five minutes. They're like, what? Nice. And this is good? That became a 10-year relationship, bro. And in the middle of that, everything else, like, you know, all sorts of jobs and, and voiceover Absolutely. coaching. Rodney Salisbury, as you say, he was your first, first coach. He was my first coach. Yeah, G. G. Keith Alexander, Maurice Tobias. I mean, list goes on and on, man. And that's how I really got the true bug, and and voiceover. It was someone giving me that CD-ROM, and it just opened up all the possibilities, bro. Like you know, what it is like when we get get like a new microphone. We'd be like, I wonder what it's gonna sound like. In our heads, we know what it's gonna sound like, right? (laughs) You ever buy something like you you buy like in your mind it's gonna sound a certain way, but you get like. This ain't it. You know, no, this ain't it. especially <laughs> in our business, we always right. want the newest yeah. gadget. Um, I got boxes of stuff that I bought that I haven't even yeah. used, but I got it. Just to say, look what I got. And I don't even use that piece, man. <laughs> right. One day, but, you know. I know. So I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, I right. recently, okay. well, I shouldn't say recently. Well, we've been married six years. So... I don't call her my stepdaughter. She is my daughter. Okay. So I have become, uh, by essence, yes. a girl dad. You, even though you have boys, I have seen mm-hmm. you interact with your daughter, who is now in high school. And I always joke with you about, like, boy, are you ready for this? 
So how is it yes. being a girl dad? You know, <laughs> and one thing I'll, I'll say, there comes an age where daddy and daughter are like this, but then when she starts to come into her own identity and you like, mm -hmm. my baby is growing up. Like, Talk about that transition because you know with boys, you know you you can look and tell yeah. he gonna be all right. He going through something, he gonna be all right. But when it's baby girl, yeah, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. You know, funny thing about it too, if a lot of people don't know, um, a lot of uh, uh, most most of my career, I was raising my sons, my four boys, and they were they were traveling with me, and I also have two daughters. Now, my two daughters, they, they didn't live with me, but, you know, I, I make my way around. You know, busy life. I had, you know, my radio life. I had the voiceover. I was raising my boys. I had to go see my daughters. So I was constantly moving. And somewhere in the mix, Trey, I, I had these moments where I had to slow down and, like, really look at my children and say, although we work so hard and we mm -hmm. want them to see, you know, this is what life is about. You're supposed to work hard. I started to sit back a little bit and say, you know, maybe we should just we should we should love a little harder, though. Maybe we should give them our time. And because I didn't have time, I was chasing after my career. I couldn't really, you know, really sit down and and, and sow the proper seeds that I wanted to. Of course, I loved them mm -hmm. and we played and we did this. But with this busy life, you, you couldn't do as much. So by the time. Um, you know, my, my youngest son's growing up and I think the youngest is like 13, 14 years old. I'm like, it's been about 13 years since I have a kid. I've got six, six children. I'm not going to have any more children. I'm good. And then someone I was uh, dating at the time, my girlfriend I was uh -oh, dating. About that. She goes, uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy, uh, we're about to have a baby. It's <laughs> like, yeah. So that thing happened. I was, I was, I was scared, but I was, I was an older man by this time. I was in my, uh, I think I had just turned 40 and 40. Yeah. I think I just turned 40 when she told me. And, um, as, as afraid as I was, when I saw that little girl born tray, I knew that she needed me. And this thing that I had been chasing after radio and voiceover, it needed to take the back seat a little bit. And I spent so many years just watching her grow um, from uh, just just from a, a baby to a toddler to uh, a young lady. Now I have like years of videos of her, even yeah. when I was the voice of BET. You know, I'd always you know how we always like listen to our commercials when you know we <laughs> sit there in the commercial breaks and then. She's I have a video of her as a as a little toddler and I'm playing with her because I spent so much time playing with her. <laughs> and then she she hears tonight on BET and she turns around. She whips. I, still, I have the I have the video of that, man. I have so, so much. And I learned how to integrate her in my life um, with me doing my voiceover for, for radio network. She'd sit there right on my lap and I have videos of this me being a father and me doing work at the same time. But to me, out of everything that I've ever chased or ever wanted to do um, in my career, being a father is the most precious title I could have. And 
and and her being 14 years old allowing me to to be in her life uh, uh allowing me to uh listen to her without her having to uh hide or or lie um it's a great feeling man it's a, but i'm telling you trey how, your your stepdaughter how long have you been your stepdaughter i mean your daughter's life i'm sorry um well that's a crazy story her mother and i mm-hmm. dated in the past when i first met her she right. was five years old five years old right and then in between then she and i we broke up she got married and then got divorced and when i saw her again mm-hmm. I, now I got a 16 year old in front of me okay like crazy enough she remembered me she's like i remember you and and we used to do this and this i'm like okay so it there was still something there yeah that i'm glad she remembered but she she had her moments where it's like well mom just got divorced and i thought it was gonna be just me and her for a while and now you're back in her life and and i really had to where me and her mom were good yeah and now had to say okay now how do i get me and this young lady good because yeah i'm i'm the enemy because she thought now that mom's divorced i get more of her but now her mom and i are focusing on on each other so I would just do things um, to show her that, you know, you can come talk to me. You can trust yeah. me. I'm here for you. She used to bowl in high school. She's a bowler. Mm-hmm. And I would never tell her I was coming to the to the matches. And I would just kind of sneak in and just kind of sit off in the corner and, and watch her bowl. And I remember one time she had a strike. She killed it. And I was like, yeah. Yeah! and she heard me. <laughs> so all these kids were like, like, that guy's been over there watching you the whole time. Who's that? And then she saw me. And I'm like, so I'm just kind of like, hey, and from there, our relationship changed. You know, if if I said I was going to the hardware store, she in the car, like, where are we going? I'm like, what are you doing? I just want to, yeah. can I go? Can I roll? Can I be down? I'm like, okay, cool. And when it all came to a head, um, I took her, I took both of them to meet my family for the first time. It was Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Christmas in Miami, you already know how it is. Ain't no snow. Ain't no. Of course. Right. I'm on the grill, bro. <laughs> right. And she come outside. She's like, hey, I want to talk to you for a second. So I'm thinking something went down. So now I'm already mentally in daddy mode. She wasn't my, my stepdaughter then, but I'm like, what? What's going on? She's like, no, mm-hmm. there's nothing like that. I just want to tell you that, you know, I haven't seen my mom this happy in a long time. And I know that's because of you. And, and we both are happy. And we just, and I just want to say thank you for, for being in, in our lives. And I'm like, I'm trying to be a G. I'm like, you know, and I knew from there, yeah, man. it was all good. So yeah, yeah, she, she really turned things around, but I, I totally get that about, yeah. uh, about fatherhood. And it doesn't matter when you become a father once you have that title and everything changes absolutely everything changes. yeah and and me it it feels good you know i had a a a time in my life where i paused and i had gone in a different direction and it was during the pandemic that i thought the world was ending and while i wasn't with my my daughter and i got you know married for for um couple years i was out of that relationship in another relationship and the world was ending and my daughter would now for me being in her life every day 
she would come over every other weekend because we had the split weekends. Although she lived with her mother, her mother still wanted a full weekend with her because she was, she was also mm-hmm. working, right? And we, we did that. We did that. And, and my daughter come and visit me in Miami. Then I got my syndicated show. She come and visit me there in Atlanta. So I was always keeping my every two-week appointment. Um, but when the world was about to end, I was like, okay, it's the pandemic, what I need to be. And I thought about this longer hard. I made a decision to uh, come back in this direction. My daughter needed me every single day in her life, and I've been there ever since. And, you know, in the midst of, during the, during the pandemic, so many things happened. My mother was diagnosed with yeah. cancer. You know, the, the, the um, stint in Miami, it, it, en- it ended because I wanted the syndicated mm-hmm. show. I wanted, I really wanted at Hot 105, I really wanted them to sign, you know, at the time it was me and Benji Brown, yeah. the comedian. We hosted the afternoon show. So we wanted to be the morning show. But since Tom Joyner was uh, leaving, the company said they want to bring someone else in, uh, which was going to be Ricky Smiley. Like, how are we going to argue with Ricky, Ricky Smiley? I mean, come on. Yeah. Now, you know, so we're like, we out of here. So. They were like, listen, this is what we want to pay you for three years. You know, you're going to be making nearly a million dollars for three years. I'm like, no, we out of here. We're good. I don't want to do another, you know, whatever. You know, my ego was hurt. I was really butthurt, oh, yeah. to be quite honest with you. Yeah, so the truth of the matter is that <clears throat> when we do this thing, Trey, and you know this, being a voice of an artist, and, I, and I have, I've seen it in you, like when you posted you, you, yourself narrating the video yeah. games to now being the voice of the games and the video games. Um, It's like thoughts have power. Words have power. So I knew that that little thing that I, that I said goodbye to in Miami, I knew that I'd be syndicated. I didn't know how, but I just knew that somehow um, the creator keeps on making it possible for me to get these opportunities. And for the most part, and I tell people that it's it's faith, and a lot of it is mindset. Like everything you do has to do with yeah. mindset. And it's crazy it would sound like I do these workout programs and stuff like that, and they'd be like, "All right, in chapter one, we're going to talk yeah. about mindset." And I'm like, "Can you get right to the mm-hmm. workouts, bro? You know, and this is what you need to eat. No, I don't need to eat that. Yeah. Now <laughs> work out. You know, but I've learned that." Everything we do has it has to do with mindset. I think some of my my students they get so annoyed because I talk about mindset so much. I said you don't understand, and and it and and when I think about my life and where I come from, that kid who stuttered, that kid with ADD, that kid who had dyslexia, I had to get my mind right. I had to believe in myself because if I don't believe in myself, nobody's gonna believe in me, right? And when when you believe in yourself, you wear that. You know, you were you were that 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 confidence on you and and just so glad to share it with people. So I knew that I don't know how, but we within the five months after leaving Miami, we had the syndicated job. And now we're Westwood One brought us on and we're hired. We're on 30 stations around the country and I'm still making my appointments to see my daughter. I'd moved to Atlanta. But I'm still flying back to, to Miami. She lived in, in Wellington, West Palm Beach at the time. So I'm flying back there to spend time with her. And um, she has truly, truly, like, changed my life. Like, I, 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 owe, I owe everything to my children. And the second part of my life, uh, 
to, to this girl because for the most part, she keeps me grounded. Like she really keeps me grounded. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. You, you get to a point like you're, when you're talking to your, your daughter, Trey, and sometimes we say things that we actually believe what we're saying and they, they go like, Dad, are you, you, do you hear what you're no saying? Do you, do you believe that? Like, <laughs> she's always challenging me and making me feel this small. I'm like, you're only 14 years old. And then when she's right, I always, I always say, <laughs> shut up, Zion. And she just laughs. <laughs> oh, but she knows I she's right. You know, you know you're, you're, yeah. so I'll tell you yeah. an interesting story. So your daughter's name is Zion. Uh-huh. My daughter's name is Zion. Yeah. Lynn, but Danielle was going to name her oh, wow. Zion. And well, because while she was pregnant, oh, she listened to the miseducation of Lauren Hill. And to this day, if she yeah. hears that song uh going to Zion, she will she's in tears because she was she was pregnant while oh yeah um while that you know what that C D was out. So that's crazy, man. Uh wow. The parallels. So Yeah. By the way, I, I gotta say I love you and Danielle's relationship. Um, that, that's one of the things that made me say that I need to bring my family yeah. back together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's one of the things that, and it made me feel good just the way y'all be rubbing nose and rubbing faces and <laughs> we goofy, ah, so stinking cute. You know, it, it's, it's just beautiful, man. My, it's, I remember my cousins meeting yeah. her for the first time. Um, as I now hear her yeah. even get ready to go to school. Um, and I've never brought many women home to meet the, the, the folks. And even the ones that I had, it was like, mm-hmm. she cool, but I don't think that's the one, <laughs> bruh. Because she all right, but, but right. they saw she and I interact, and I can see all the people elbowing, and like, My, that's going to be your one, bro. That's going to be the one. <laughs> and here we are yeah. six years later. Uh, she is definitely the one, you know, and, you know, I, I, I tell folks all the time, uh, she saved me in many ways because my, my VO career yeah. was tanking. And, um, and mm-hmm. let me not say that it wasn't tanking where I wanted to be versus where I was. I felt like I should have been there sooner. Right. And because I wasn't, I felt like it was mm-hmm. tanking. And, you know, I, I tell this story often of me going to the to the pawn shop with a, a crate box full of stuff, getting ready to sell it all. Like, I'm sick of it. She's like, where you going? I'm like, getting rid of this. She's like, nope. <laughs> I don't want to come home if we get right. married. And you just had a hard day at the office. And every time you hear a promo or play a game or see a movie trailer, you sitting there going, what if? And she was right. I know, right? And um, I, I listened to her and, and 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 others, but specifically to her because this was going to be my life partner. So I'm like, yeah, I would probably come home and like, mm, look at that damn Rick party again, <laughs> you know. So I I had to I had to to pivot <laughs> and 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 refocus and you know a lot of things after that took place. But had I not listened, they they wouldn't have. So, um. Baby, if you're yeah. watching, just saying, you know, I got you. <laughs> that, that, and that's so important too. Like with, with what we do, 
we we have so much talent, but if we don't have a support system, we're nothing. Because it, all it takes if if, if your lady could have said you, you you do an audition, she hears it. For the most part, we don't really let them hear nothing these days. But in the beginning, they would hear. What do you what do you think about this? They'd be like, go, True. Eh, it's okay. <laughs> and and we go back, and I I I just just the fact to see how she supports you, man, is is just such a a beautiful thing man and and you you wear it so well bro i just i i, I just got to say that i know you're interviewing me but i'm proud of you i'm proud of your career i'm proud um of you as a a a father uh a husband and just a human being man and i always tell people like you may not believe it but when you're kind yeah. to people other people see yeah. that and other people want to work with you. And when, especially when you live right. And I, I say this to people, I don't care how incredible you think your voice is. There's always somebody who's much better. And then that mm. person who's much better than you, there's someone who's much better than they are. But what does it all yeah. come back down to? You got to have a good attitude. If you have a good attitude, people want to work with you. Sometimes True. people want to work, work with you based on that. Like I, you, the other, other things, we'll shape it. We'll shape it. But we like him. We see that we can do business with him. And you're the kind of person that people want to do business with. And other than that, other, other than you being incredibly talented, <laughs> you know, but. So yeah. let's yeah. talk about now. There you go. Uh, and we're, we're, we're doing the timeline. So Main Street, Chicago. Mm -hmm. You get inspired to, to do radio. Yeah. And now you're, as most folks in, in the radio mm -hmm. business do. You know, you go from this station to this station to this station. You hit home. Everything is is vibing. Mm -hmm. um, the VO bug hits. Oh, and, yeah. and and real quick, I remember you. Um, when I was still learning about it, but not really, um, gotten the full bite of the VO bug. You used to have your air checks on YouTube. Mm hmm. And when you were doing yeah, uh, yeah. the BET stuff, I'd always type in BET promo and it was you. But then, you know, YouTube always has that. It would be like this. You'll like that. And, and it was like, you know, um, Rick Party, WGCI air check. I'm like, what the hell is an air check? So I started watching them and it's like, hey, it's four o'clock. Y'all, it's Rick Party. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this cat do radio. And then that's when I made the connection. Like, wait, why have I heard that name? Yeah. <laughs> This dude doing radio in my city, y'all trip. I, it, it's crazy how that all, you know, right comes comes <laughs> to a head. So, right, vo hits. You yeah. you killing it, still doing radio. You you get the 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 nationally syndicated show. Now, and then talk to mm -hmm. the people about when you get here, and life is good, family is good, but then. You lose the show. Um, and for some people, mm -hmm. that could just be like, well, what's next? The show is gone. So then maybe that means work is going to slow down. That means, you know, they could they could fall into this this chasm of of despair or depression or, you know, negativity. How do you how do you continue to rise and keep above and stay above? Um, I think it goes back early to not really knowing how to lose. Like, 
I'd always said it to myself, something always happens, right? People always say God looks after them. God does this, but faith without work is dead. So I was always just putting in Mm -hmm. work. Like I had this equipment, I was still doing voiceover. So radio, radio, I had voiceover and radio working together. So the radio ended, but I was still doing voiceover work. So I could still continue that. Yeah, no, I'm not making all that, that radio money. But I still, this money over here, radio, voiceover was good for me. And, you know, I'm still trying to hang on to radio. I was still trying to hang on to a little bit. And I was like, let me just take a break for a little bit. Yeah. And it gave me an opportunity. And that happened during the pandemic because a lot yeah. of people got fired. There were furloughs and all sorts of stuff. But it gave me a chance to um, really uh, hone on in on what was going on with my daughter. Like she was growing up and, and, and women could, could relate to this. So there's a, there's a time when I, I came right back, right in time in my daughter's life, right? She was flat chested, right? <laughs> She's 10 years old. And there was, a, there was something going on. And um, her mother and I were talking because she, she kept blaming. She kept saying she had a, yeah, a, yeah. a knot in her chest. And we're like, oh, God, you know, cancer runs in, in, in my family. And I'm like, this is going to be tough. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm not thinking of the fact I got fired at this point. I'm like, I'm doing voiceover. And then, but my daughter's got this issue, right? So, and her mother's a doctor, by the way, an OBGYN. And I'm thinking she would know what's going on. So we take her to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And um, the Pete was the pediatrician, right? For the kids, that's right? That's the feet, bro. That's the feet. <laughs> I always get the pediatrician and p- podiatrist confused. That's the foot, the feet. Yeah, yeah, the feet. Yeah, pediatrician. Take it to the pediatrician. Wow. And they go, yeah, your daughter's so budding. That was She's the pain in breasts. her chest that she <laughs> actually getting oh, one. That was it. I'm that was I the pain in her chest. Days. Exactly. <laughs> She's getting one, one, one at times. So. I know, right? So uh, just to you know, be there in a life and, and experience all of this growth was just beautiful. I've been here to witness that to her, her growth spurred to her being under me and loving me and to her now patting me on the back when I want to hug, like, like Zach, you know, Zion, come and give me a hug. She go, okay, dad, you good? Okay. There you go. Big guy. There you go. Like, <laughs> like, really? She doesn't have time for me these days, but the beauty of it is that she's right in that room over there and that that feels good to me man but that's that how it good. works man yeah and that's why I, I alluded to earlier how as we grow they grow and absolutely she's not even though she's daddy's little girl to you she's like yeah. look bro can you stop following <laughs> me can you put yeah. the camera down let me just get this picture they're like no <laughs> right right i just want to be me and chill with my girls i do this but you look so cute but for, listen, <laughs> sir, sir, put it right. I, I get that totally. Um, so now let's shift gears. Uh-huh. Um, we we've seen you know the rise and fall and rise again, and right. now you share the wealth. You're you're coaching. Um, yes. Talk about the fulfillment of being uh, a coach and and teaching those who want to come up and do the same things that, that we do. It feels good, man, because I, it, for me, it was innate. And when I say that from Earl Boston, taking the time out to take this kid under his wing that was living on the South side of Chicago, that didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. 
and then wanted to be like him. And I think about all the issues that I had, you know, growing up, including the lack of comprehension. I think about all of the adults that grow up and never share with anybody what their weaknesses are. And you remember like listening to people on in radio and voiceover and just admiring their voices and, and saying to yourself, if even if I could speak that clearly or that, that cool, you know, people would like me and all of that. So for me, when I started teaching voiceover, I started really just kind of teaching from my heart. And I said to myself, there has to be somebody out there like me or someone who's just afraid to speak. And if anything, you may not become a voiceover star, but you're going to have the confidence to speak, you know, and that, that felt good to me. I always felt like it was kind of like a, um, a therapy session, Hmm. not for them, but for me. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I do. And, and, and a lot of them walk out, um, and when we, when we talk to them, we take on a lot of their, their personal issues, but we want them to feel like, uh, they're at home. So. For me, it feels good. There are times when I have to, I have to take a break from it, right? Like times when I take a break away from coaching because I want to get back, you know, to my life. Because when you talk to people that have lots of things going going on, if you're not careful, you can you can take you can that on yourself. It, yeah, true. Yeah, so I I did that a lot. So I have my breaks, but I feel like it's a, it's my calling to to help people. And, and whatever this, whatever this coaching thing is, which I, I call it the Rick party method. And, the, and I don't call it voiceover coaching. It is voiceover coaching, but it can also be radio coaching. It can just be a conversation, you know? Um, but it's, it's my, my method. And like I said, they, they do more for me than I do for them. And it's, it's crazy because sometimes it's real selfish. Like they're paying me to help me, you know, so, but it feels good, man. It feels, it feels very good to, to give back because that's what it's all about. And, and with, with, with giving back Trey, I've always done this, um, in radio, I would visit high schools and, um, grade schools. And I go to prisons in Chicago, like the uh, Cook County jail and, and all sorts of places around, you know, different cities that I worked in. It was always a goal of mine to, sow seeds in the community because I saw Earl do it. I saw my mother do it. Even when my mother was dealing with cancer, leaving chemo, she would go visit Miss Johnson or Miss so-and-so who was dealing with their own illnesses. So my mother's feeling sick and my mother never stopped mm. doing this. And I saw this. And, and, and with that, not only during coaching, you know, I was awarded the, um, the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award from the office of uh, President Barack Obama some years ago. And that felt good. That was for community service. And then I received an honorary doctorate uh, for um, humanitarianism. And those things felt really good to me because somebody saw the things that, um, that I didn't intentionally do um, for any type of clout, I did it from my heart because it was the only thing that I know. And prior to that, people had tried to give me awards for certain things. And I was like, I can't accept this because um, yeah. I don't deserve it. And I haven't done anything for it because there were some times when I was really just thinking about myself. You know, it, my, my entire life hasn't been 
you know, this clean cut. You know, I had some I, I had some sure. selfish moments in yeah. pockets. Yeah. Mm. But I had some moments and but for the most part when I when um when I think about my career and in, 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 in both voiceover and radio, it was always about pouring into other people. And and coaching just makes me feel uh it makes me feel complete, man. That's the best way to describe it. It makes me feel complete when I go. That's what's up. And and on on a personal note, yeah. Um, and and talking about your mom, um, mm-hmm. I remember you going on when you would do the Facebook lives and and, and giving the updates. And I remember when things were mm-hmm. there were some good days and and there were some bad days. And yeah. um, your lady at the time, I remember you know, you, you, you had a moment and, and you broke down mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here, I'm, I was sobbing with you because all I could think about my mom, who was a survivor as well. And I'm like, man, I, if, if I was near this brother, I would just grab on to him and, and just, and, and squeeze him. And, you know, today is my mom's birthday. Oh, yeah. Man. No, she's here. She's here. She's, she's here. She's, she's here. No, oh, from the heavens, from the heavens above, from my from my mom in heaven, from my mom in heaven to your mother. No, 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 no. Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday! You know, listening to how things started into where things are, I just want to say, brother to brother, she is smiling, dude. Because I've seen, thank you, man. You know. And, and 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 we talk, you know, uh, off camera on, on the phone and stuff. And I know how hard that was. But just if if nobody else has has told you, I want to say to you, I am proud of you, because that took a lot. And and I think for men, and and if we even go deeper as black men, it's hard for us to show emotions, um, be it mm-hmm. because of what society has painted the picture of how a black man should be or look. Uh, we're, 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 we're supposed yeah. to keep our emotions bottled up, but you showed a, a, a vulnerable side. And, you know, I, I, um, I have a group of brothers that are, that are in the business and we have this core group and we talk about mm-hmm. issues. It could be work related, maybe something going right. on, going on with his girl or something going on with me and my girl. And, and we talk about it. Um, and it all goes back to, to mental health. How important, um, for you and, and your family is, uh, is, is mental health. Ooh. Um, thank goodness, man. I have, um, my family's, um, I have a very special family. And when I, when I say my family, I'm talking about uncles and my aunties and everybody, man. Um, I come from one of those, those families. They're, they're like uh, devout Christians. They, 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 they love some deep. God. And every month, oh, man, we get on the phone every month. The first of the month at 6 a.m. and they pray. It's like, who's got a prayer today? And you're talking about some, we did some dancing, some praying. And I love them. And I think about everybody who, um, who made me. And mostly they, when I thought about it this past, um, this week, those are all of my aunties, wow. man. My grandmother had 10 children, but my mother's sisters, they were the strongest in the bunch. And I really just realized that this, this past week, 
I was like, they're, they're, they're amazing. Like the way that they pray, the way they hold you down, the way they lift you up. So they always had, um, they stayed close to the word. So there was not a lot of going to get counseling. It was always, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to get counseling from the Lord, right? Yeah. And of course you grow up like that. But when you, when you start to separate a little bit, <laughs> a lot of it <laughs> from, from it, um, then you realize you're not so connected and you need a different thing. And for me, losing my mother, Trey, um, and being with her, going with her to um, counseling, yeah. chemo, I didn't really see. Let me say this really quick. So my mother, she was um, she was a very lively 60 something year old woman. And um, she died at 69, by the way. Um, she was very lively. So she's the kind of person, like if I go and visit her, I better call first because she may be in Mexico. You know what I'm saying? That's my mother with her girlfriends. So when this thing slowed her down, it slowed her down. Um, so watching her go through this and we're talking about a beautiful full figured woman, you know, big, beautiful, the curves, all of that. And, um, to see her go from a big full figure woman to a woman who I could pick up. Um, it tore me up, man. Like it was, it was, it was my, my worst nightmare to, to see someone go through that stage. And I didn't think that it would have the effect that it had on me. And of course I, I, I had therapy. I had friends. It was it was that uh, it was that connection that I had to my mother because that was that was my first love. Like she was no she was my first love, and I was her first love. And when she passed away, just like you saw me in a video, man, at my mother's funeral, bro, my 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 um, my, in my immediate mm-hmm. family, my mother has four children. I'm the oldest of four. My sister Mia, KT, and o- o- O'Brien, uh, former Sergeant Major. Um, we were at the funeral. I'm, I'm the oldest. They're giving speeches and talking, and I'm the radio guy, the voiceover guy. They're thinking, oh, yeah, Rick's going to say something's going to be powerful. I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> I'm just crying, man. Yeah. I couldn't, I had nothing to say. I had nothing. I didn't even get up to the microphone. I was just behind them and they were keeping me up. So your question about mental health, um, my mother passing, it took a lot out of me. And I needed that trade, to be honest with you, man, because my life was just moving. I was just popping, just moving, moving. And I was just so excited for my life. But I needed something to mm. just like, you, when's the last time you cried? Like, when's the last time you shed a tear, man? Like, like let it go. And I had cried even prior before that um it was rough man and my therapist in fact my 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 co-host sasha even we had a syndicated show the therapist came to to this to the radio show and um she said (laughs) how can we help rick because he's always crying (laughs) and he's like you can't help rick um um why but she's trying to understand why why is he crying like that 
And the therapist said, the bigger mm. the love, the bigger the loss. That is a full and bar like, right there. Damn. Ooh. Man, I love my mama so much. And we didn't even, I wasn't even, we weren't even the kind of, you know, mother and son that talked like, you got to talk to your mother every day or every week. My mother was, like, boy, was what like, you yo, want? I'm, I'm working, I'm busy, I'm doing this, I'm doing yeah. that. You know? Yeah, we'll catch you when I catch you. You know, it was it was like she was never like the the mother who was at home lonely waiting for you to call. No, she was like the sixty something that was living her life. She's traveling. She was doing stuff. She was helping people. And when you get on the phone, it's like she's tired because everybody else is calling her too. Like she was always the person giving to people. So when I think about my mother uh, losing her, it was a lot. I, I truly lost. Um, uh, uh, a big portion of who of who I was, but also gained some 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 important things that I needed in my life. So it was a lot, and I'm still in therapy. Um, I'm still in therapy in many ways. I still yeah. talk to my therapist every now and then. It's it's not so it's not so bad today. And then sometimes I have the people that are around me. Uh, they get they like, like, okay, bro, you, uh, we can no, talk about this today. tomorrow. <laughs> I can't cry with you today, man. Yeah. Thursday, but Tuesday, I, like you I'm do, not like, ready. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I just take it out on, on, on social media, man. <laughs> Some of my friends. So that's it, bro, man. But mental, um, taking care of our mental health is is so important. I say to people. If you're ever in a situation where you're dealing with a great loss, the most important thing you can do is just really just cry. Like, just let it all out. Cry yourself a river. Cry some more. Truth of the matter is, when you lose somebody, you will lose uh, some parts of yourself. And that's, that's, only, that's, 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 that's only normal, you know? And then you go and rehydrate. Just take it, you know, one step at a time, and you rehydrate yourself. And then you know, you're ready to pour into to, other people. I used to be know? cold growing up because I was a very emotional kid. And mm-hmm. even before Adam Sandler's movie, I was called the water boy. The, the water boy, really? The least little thing, I'm boo to hell, who and who, I'm just. And then for years, uh, I got super thick skin to where I didn't let things bother me. You know, I could find out a, a, a friend pass or or this happened, this happened, like, oh, that's messed up, man. I hope he all right. And then I- But he dead, Trey. Huh? <laughs> you said you, you find out he passed? Yeah. But you said he hope he all right? Yeah. <laughs> he gone, right? I, 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 <laughs> you were so just disconnected from yeah, it, Yeah, huh? I was just so disconnected. And I'm hearing right. what they saying, but I'm just like, I was afraid to show my emotion. Yeah. But over the years, I got to a point where I'm like, look, this is who I am. I'm- mm-hmm. um, I'm, you know, and you hear people say it nowadays. Well, I'm an empath. I, I really am. I feel for people. Yeah. And sometimes I feel people. So when something mm-hmm. happens, um, either to or for myself or from someone else, the tears will automatically flow. And I've, I've learned now to not stop it because yeah. I want you to see how I'm feeling. I want to tell you how I'm feeling. And mm-hmm. That took a lot for me to do, and and especially once I got married, because now I can't harbor those feelings to myself because I have a partner now. If right. she's hurting about a thing, 
I can't just be like, well, girl, you got to work it out now because, you know, that's, you know, in this family, we know if she's crying, I want to find out why I'm going to comfort her. I'm going to do, do whatever I can. But there have been times when, you know, my armor has fallen off and I'm just a puddled mess. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden I just feel two arms around me. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I have no problem telling her I feel this way because. Or I right. saw this thing and it made me feel because. Um, there have been times I've auditioned for big, big jobs. And mm -hmm. you get the callback. And then there's another callback. And you know how to, you can get five callbacks. And you're like, well, damn, when y'all going to make a decision? <laughs> and then your agent's like, all right, it's down to you and three people. I'm like, okay. Y'all need another callback? Let me go in and knock this out because I'm going to be the one. And then you don't be the one. Right. Some jobs hurt more than others. Some you just like, whatever, I get another one. But there are certain ones you want so bad. And, they were, and I remember there's one gig. I don't even remember what it was for. But I auditioned mm -hmm. my ass. I Oh, I gave the audition of auditions. I'm like, y'all coming to get me. I was like, Denzel, I'm leaving with something. And right. I didn't get the call. And I oh, was man, just crestfallen, dude. And before I knew it, I was sitting there part angry and part sad. And and I, I represent Denzel again. I had that, that one sad tear. And she was like, you can't let this thing consume you. I'm like, it's not the fact that it's consuming me, even though it was deflection. I'm like, but mm -hmm. I think about the things we could have done if I if I got this payday, all the, all, and this was right. earlier when we were, were married. I'm like the things that I can do for you, for us, for this family. She was like, look, it's coming. Don't let this one thing derail all of your successes that you've had up to this point. That one job does not define who you are. Did you want it real bad? Yeah. Did they make you do callback at the callback at the callback? Yeah. Did you get it? No, it's okay. Hmm. Feel how right. you feel, and then let's work on the next step. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think as I've gotten older, too, um, I, I tell my sister all the time, my, my I don't give a bleep meter is so over here now that I don't care. If I got something on my mind, <laughs> you're going to know it. If I'm mad, you're going to know right. it. If I'm sad, you're going to know it. Because I don't have time to be concerned with how you feel about a thing because my feelings are valid just as, as much as yours. And if you can't respect how I feel, um, take it how you want to take it. But this is how I feel about that. So uh, mental health is, is, is very important. And brothers, if you're watching, it's okay. Talk to whoever you need to talk to. And, I, and I've heard guys say, well, man, I can't talk to my girl like that. She going to just tell me, well, toughen up. And, and like, Sometimes it's so you don't have to toughen up. We can be puddles of right. of, of water too, you know. You right. know allow that that brother to feel how he feel, and and sisters the same thing. If if your dude, and now we're preaching now, but my point is, <laughs> put people in your circle that will allow you to be you. Okay. Absolutely. That that you you said it. That's that's a bar yeah. right there, man. Put people in your circle that will allow you to be you, and. I was going to say that. I mean, if if you with somebody and they have a problem with you being an empath, 
the a problem with you being a sensitive man, they need not be with you. That's not the person for you. And 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 to men too, just as Trey saying he described himself and he saw me crying in the video. It's okay. It's okay to put masculinity with sensitivity. A man can be sensitive too. And Trey, you sound like my kind of dude, man. I don't know if you this, and maybe I'm too sensitive. I could look at a, a commercial. I could see something on TV, and it can be something that strikes me. I go, <laughs> no, am I alone? No, sir. <laughs> I saw, okay. Um, okay. I saw a video. It was a Christmas video, just aired maybe a couple of days ago. Right. And uh, this cat and his mom. The mom was like, "Hey, honey, I got to work late. I'm sorry. We'll we'll um, decorate the tree later." And while she was mm-hmm. out working, and I think it was for either for Amazon or Walmart, one of the, the, the stores, he goes and gets all the trimmings right. and stuff, and he decorates the tree himself. Mm-hmm. So now they pan to where she's coming in, and she's tired, and she's turning the key. And when she opens the door, the house is fully decorated, and he's just kind of standing there like, wow. Merry Christmas, Mom. I'm like, that's cool. That's real cool, man. What the score is, man? When the game come back on, but you know, it 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 got me. I, it it came out of nowhere. So yeah, I, I feel that one hundred percent. So let's uh, wrap this up, man. Um, this okay. segment of the show is where I like to talk to my guests. Um, when the cameras and mics are off. And you have rap for the day, which in our business, we never do. But when you get that moment right. or those moments to yourself, uh, tell the good folks, how does Rick Party take time out for himself? Well, Rick Party uh, puts on his you headset one, right here. Dog? He goes into the virtual I world. I yes. Oculus right yes. there. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I do. I go into the virtual world. And you know, this is funny, Trey. Um, I actually built a, a voiceover studio. That. Yeah, in, in Horizon World. So if you're ever in Horizon Worlds, come and hang out with me and check out the voiceover studio. Maybe one day you can come and teach a class or something like that. But, but it's yeah, I, I saw that people were building these worlds. And I love to build. I, in fact, I love to draw, too. So... I love to go into my uh, my virtual world. I wish I had some. I wish you asked me. I could I could have gotten some stuff. Um, but I love to draw. I sketch. That's something I've done since I was a a, a child. And of course, that you know, being being the big double nickel, fifty five. I turned fifty five this year. Uh, my ho- my health is important. We're living in the stage where um, just being black, you That's know, true. we have so many odds against us. Um, so I gotta, I gotta keep the the motor going, man. I, I, I get out there and I take a walk and I put the phone down. Um, I don't listen to music. I just go out there and I listen to, to, um, to nature and I get out there and I reflect on, um, the goodness, you know, all the, the great things that I had that I have in my life, big or small, and I'm still alive. I took no, that first cool, question man. way too far. I know you had another one, but. Yeah, that's that's me, man. That's what I do when I'm, I'm not, not around this stuff. And then, of course, uh, every now and then, I, I find s- some junk that don't make no sense. That's <laughs> not that has no purpose for anything to watch on TV because I got to get away from the seriousness. So that's my life. Mindless yeah. TV is good TV in my book. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, y'all, this has been uh, like I said, this this is this is a special one for me because that's that's my guy right there. Um, tell the fine folks how they can reach you, man, and and give them your info and your class as well. Yeah, um, just go to rickparty.com, R-I-C-K-P-A-R-T-Y.com, and you can find every, 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 there's a link that links to everything. And if you're on Instagram, I got a menagerie of mess on there, just the way my my brain works. Just go to Rick Party uh, Live on Instagram, and that's it. You'll follow links and you find my classes or whatever I'm doing. That's, that's, that's it. No more than that. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm going to. Uh, so interesting name you have there, Zurich. Mm-hmm. Wonder where you get that from. Oh, my name. <clears throat> so what had happened was uh, <laughs> my mother was a telephone operator, and she was working for Illinois Bell, Chicago, Illinois. She's an eighteen-year-old operator who had become pregnant, and she needed a name for her son. So Chicago is, uh, it has a bunch of Italians and Polish and Mexicans and Puerto Ricans. It's a big melting pot of everybody. And the very last name in the book was Zurich. And my mother didn't want us to have just regular names, you know? So she said, she's going to make my last name somebody's, my, someone's last name, my first name. So she gave me the name Zurich. And then Trey writes me, he says, I just found out what Zurich means. Soup. <laughs> Polish soup. Stupid. I was in a My Polish name is restaurant Supe. with a buddy of mine. And he was like, hey, you got to try this. This uh, You got to try the soup. I'm like, okay, let me, let me, let me. I'm like, this ain't bad. What is this called? And the Polish lady, she's like, this is the Zurich. I'm like, I'm sorry? And she's still in the menu. <laughs> I said, get the hell out of here. And I hit him up like, bruh, so all these years, you soup, dude? <laughs> right. Like, really? Now, now, now Trev, you, if you give me the nickname soup from, from you to me, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take it, man. I don't mind if you call me soupy. It's, I, it's official. all official. Y'all heard it. Yeah. Only Nobody else don't call don't me soupy, call right? call him soupy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> y'all, thanks for taking time out with Trey Mosley today. That is my boy, Chi-Town Zone. Rick Potty, man. And um, brother, I appreciate you hanging out, man. And um, truly good to talk with you and, and chop it up. Uh, one of the, the, the good cats in this industry. And um, thank you so much for Hold coming on. on, man. Okay. Appreciate it. Yeah. We'll holler at y'all next time. Thanks for listening to the Take Time Out with Trey Mosley podcast, part of the Titan Media Network. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcast. To see the video version of this, you can find us on YouTube on the Take Time Out with Trey Mosley YouTube page. Thanks for listening, or thanks for watching. Either way, we'll see you next time.